The following podcast is brought to you by Crosswinds Golf and Country Club in Burlington. Just 45 minutes from downtown Toronto, okay, maybe 50 minutes with traffic, you'll find the most beautiful and affordable public golf course in Ontario. Million-dollar views of the Niagara Escarpment, Rattlesnake Point, Mount Nemo, outstanding customer service, great banquet facilities, practice facilities, terrific pro shop, and of course, Fabulous golf on a championship course. But what really makes Crosswind special is the people. They care about your experience right from the time you drive through the gates. They got you covered for all 18 holes and when you head home. So what are you waiting for? Go to crosswindsgolf.com and see what they have to offer. You'd be crazy not to. And when you get there, don't forget, tell them Hebsey sent you. Now, Mike, let's start the podcast. Grammy Award winners. Woo! Song's called Do the Murray. That's Los Lobos. That's uh, Those are our buddies. Uh, we never had to pay a penny for that. Never will. Was Did we gift. ever get the story of how that came to be possible? It was like... a gift. I asked Steve Berlin, um, one of the members, um, if we could use it. And he just asked the other guys in the band. And they went, hell yeah. Fuck yeah. He's a fan. Yeah, fuck yeah. <laughs> and I'm going to see them. I'm going to cross the border into New York State in uh, July to see them play with, I'm hoping, if all goes well, some other bands. Um, Amazing. I'm looking forward to the Tedeschi Trucks Band, for one, if you've never heard them before. Woohoo! You've never heard the you never heard Susan Tedeschi play? Of course you have. And Derek Trucks? Of course you have. Well, Derek Trucks, I know from the Allman Brothers. No, it's a different guy. It's oh. Not, it's not... Are you sure? Okay. Yeah. You do your intro, I'm sure. Do yeah. I'm sure. Like I, I, okay. Yes. okay. Younger guy. Yeah. It's a Tedeschi Trucks band. Anyway, you'd know. You, you'll know. You'll find out. Um, folks, today on the show, by the way, I'm Mark Hepsher, your host. That's Toronto Mike, the Toronto Mike, by the way. Hmm. Do not be fooled by impersonation. Don't be fooled by Agent Court Mike or Scarborough Mike or Mississauga Mike. This is the authentic Toronto Mike. He's, uh, he's on the show as well. And our guest today, former NHL referee Tim Peel. So get your questions ready if you have any. What do you want to know about the officials? What's it like being an NHL ref? Who are the real assholes out there? Who are the guys? What's some of the stuff you've heard? Can we give me some stories? So Tim's going to join us a little bit later on, talk about Stanley Cup playoffs. My thoughts on the um, tragic loss by the Maple Leafs and the even more tragic press conference where Messrs. Shanahan and Dubas and, and not as much Keefe, but they just, you know, just fed us such bullshit. Such bullshit should be on their knees. They should be thanking the Lord that they still have their jobs and doing everything on a daily basis, updating us on how this team is going to get through the first round of the playoffs. Uh, Blue Jays back in action uh, at the Dome. Uh, need to put a win streak together and fast starting with the lowly Cincinnati Reds. Folks, this is not your grandfather's big red machine. These guys are awful. And Joey, Joey Votto is terrible. It does not look like a future Hall of Famer. Hasn't played in a while, the poor guy. But uh, and he's no spring chicken anymore, but he's from Toronto. So um, that's, there's a good sidebar story there. We got the PGA Championship for Tiger Woods. He looked like an old man. He looked, he looked good for about four or five holes. And then, right? Kind of like the way I play. Like, yeah, you get off to, and then, you know, your age starts to creep into him. And these other guys are bombing the ball 100 yards past him. Yeah, yeah. Age catches up. And we got all that and much more. First, though, um, Mike, I think this is this might be the opportunity for our greatest um, pre uh, long weekend show, like, you know, Friday heading into a long weekend show. We've had some OK shows on Fridays heading into long weekends, but this could be the best of them all. Happy, Ooh. happy Victoria Day, everybody. Ooh, good to be here, Hebsey. I just want to make sure you know that I do know what I'm talking about when it comes to music once in a while, Mr. Hebshire, because Derek Trucks, absolutely a member of the Allman Brothers band from not from 1999 to 2010. He leaves the Allman Brothers to form the Tedeschi Trucks band. <laughs> yeah. And uh, was his uncle Butch Trucks, do you think, in the Allman Brothers band? Uh yeah, and Butch Trucks' uncle was Virgil Trucks, two-time Detroit Tiger no-hitter thrower. Did you know about that family? No, that I had no idea. There you go. That's the Trucks family. Yeah, Virgil Trucks was a pitcher for the Detroit Tigers. I think he threw a couple of no-hitters. He did yeah. one for sure. I think two of them. And his uh, nephew was um, Butch Trucks, Allman Brothers, one of the Allman Brothers drummers. 
and his nephew is, uh, yeah, Derek Trucks, who was with the Allman Brothers uh, and then on to the Tedeschi Trucks band, right? Yeah, and I mean, he's his a wife prodigy. is like, Susan Tedeschi's his wife. Right. Uh, like, I think at like 12 or 13 years old, he was playing Tremendous. with a buddy guy and all these guys. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Yeah, exactly right. And night and the nicest guy. They both are really nice. I met them a couple of times backstage. Super nice people. So wow. that's what we're going to do in July. Hey, uh, awesome. so was there any doubt, Mike, that the Tampa Bay Lightning were like the better hockey team? Remember, I'm the guy who didn't want to face him in the first round because I thought well, they I were didn't a better hockey team. Well, I, I mean, I, I did and I didn't. It was like, if you're going to, if you want to prove something, if at least if you want to prove something, right. you want to be the best, you got to beat the best. So to me, that was the supreme test. Had they played Florida in the first round, would they have beaten Florida? I don't know, but that's who they drew. That's what happens. Right. So Tampa, like, you know, you'd think, okay, man, they just beat the Leafs seven game series. You know, they might need a, you know, a little blow. No, no. First of all, it's 27 minutes from Tampa to the, the airport there in law. It is. Right. I've taken the flight. You know, hi, ladies and gentlemen. No, we're not serving anything. Put the seatbelts on. Thank you for joining us, everybody. We can disembark. It's a little, it's a puddle jump. And I'm telling you, they can go home between games. I know they stay down there, but everybody can go home between games. You sleep in your own bed. You're there in less time it would take to take the turnpike uh, to take and then down into Miami, into Miami Beach. Right. I'm serious. There's nothing to it. It's a little short hop. It's Toronto, Ottawa, not even. Um, but they're not gas. No, they go to South Florida. They take two games from Las Panteras. You know, everybody down there is like, hey, you know, we made the play. We, we, we won a round for the first time since 1996. They're all going, ooh, we won a round for the And everyone in Toronto is going, shut, shut the fuck up. <laughs> right? So now they're down two. They're doing two. And last night's game, okay, they yeah, listen. They might have lost it in overtime, but they never even got to overtime. Four seconds to go in regulation. Four seconds. And a couple of uh, Panthers, Mackenzie Weger, and I forget the other guy, they go and chase, um, uh, what's his face, uh, into the, uh, behind the net, who makes the most gorgeous pass to Ross Colton. Boom, game winner at 1956 of the third period. Ooh. Wow. Like just, ooh. Well, I miss I missed a doozy there. Uh, Kucherov, Love Kucherov, it. Kucherov was the guy, and Kucherov made one of those sublime passes that nobody makes, that only the great players make, especially at that time of the game, right? And there's nobody covering Ross Colton. There's four seconds to go. There's nobody covering the front of the net, top shelf where they keep the peanut butter. Bye bye, <laughs> like gut wrenching. Like you don't come back from that. I'm sorry, Florida. They're a good team, but how do you come back from that? You lose two games at home. You fall asleep, okay? And not only that, now you got to go to Tampa. And now Tampa, you know, I don't know if you know this, Mike, but Tampa's defense is like the offensive line of any good NFL team. I'm serious. Ta this is Tampa's defense, okay? Hedman's about 245, okay? Chernak's about 230, between 235, 240. This time of year, maybe a little less because, you know, they're sweating out eight pounds a game. But you're next about 235. Ryan McDonough goes about 220, 225. Cal Foot, 232. Sergachev is listed at 217. These guys are fucking monsters. Monsters. You want to get pounded by those guys for seven games? Forget about it. I bet you everybody's ribs are hurting on the Leafs defense. Really. So I'm watching these guys and they don't get tired. And if they do, they get off and a couple of other monsters come out there and just pound the shit out of you. They really, Mike, Hedman is a monster. This is what the Leafs need. As good a player as Morgan Riley is, and he's a solid player. He's a very good player. I wouldn't say he's an elite defenseman, but he's very good. But he can't control the tempo of a game like a Hedman can. No. Look at some of these defensemen out there, man. These guys are, are you know, really. Um, and so that's why Tampa is punishing, punishing the Florida Panthers. Talented team. Oh, we've only won the last two Stanley Cups. <laughs> Yikes. So that's that series there. Out west, you got St. Louis, who looks like they look like the better team. Colorado mm, uh, can't uh, find a way to solve Jordan Binnington. Remember him? Remember Jordan Binnington? Right. Remember? Rookie, Came out of nowhere. Yeah. St. Louis to the Stanley Cup. And then, you know, there are a couple of COVID seasons and other things going on and okay. And well, they look pretty good. That series is 1-1, and uh, Colorado had to squeeze out an overtime victory just to win game one. So game three is tomorrow in Missouri, 
And I love St. Louis. I love their fans. I know I picked Colorado to win the Stanley Cup earlier this year. I got good odds. But yeah, you know, and I hope they do. But, but I, I've always had a soft spot in my heart for St. Louis as a hockey town. And I love the fans there too. And Craig Berube's a great guy. We used to be friends. Oh, yeah. Right? I used to, he, he used to call me Hebsy and I used to call him Chief. Back in the days when you could call each other nicknames. You know what I'm saying? He was, he was Chief. Right. And man, he was like, him and Talkit used to be roommate. I met him through Talkit. I knew Talkit pretty well. He doesn't talk to me anymore about Talkit. He's mad at me. Talkit doesn't talk it to you. No, he's mad at me for some whatever reason, but it doesn't matter. But, but he introduced me to Berube and Greg and I got along really, really well. And when he got traded to Edmonton, that big deal, he was like crying. He, was like, he loved it here. Loved it in Toronto. Anyway, so that's it. That's game three of that series in uh, Missouri. That's tomorrow night. Tonight, the Rangers in Carolina game two in Carolina with the Canes up one game to none. Uh, Sunday, the Uncivil War game two in Calgary after the Flames scored nine against the Oilers, six in game one in really the worst goaltending exhibition I have ever seen. And I've seen a lot of really bad games where one goalie, but when both goalies are all four, was all, were, were all four goalies involved in that game? No. I know it was three. Smith got pulled after three, nothing, but man, anyway, nine, six. So who knows what's going to happen there in game two. And the Leafs. Yeah, yeah, I watched. Yeah, yeah. And I mourned. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, but, but Mike was right. Mike was right from the beginning. Why pay attention to anything? until they get through a round. Why take anything seriously? And Mike, you're absolutely right. Because, um, you know, what, what I saw, I nearly threw up in my mouth. And when I heard that the odds of losing five consecutive playoff series in four, the four major sports in North America, well, you don't include the NFL because they don't have playoff series. Right. But baseball has a best of seven and hockey has a best seven and basketball has a best seven. The odds are one in 27,778 <laughs> that a team would lose five consecutive playoff series. And we are including the Columbus series as a. Yeah. You mean in a winner, series, take, all, a ser- a winner a ser- take all, winner take all series, right. call it what you want. Semantics. Right. You, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I know. No, no team is five. fucked up. No team is. Ch- the word is choke. No team. We can use the word now. You know that we can use it comfortably now. We're not talking about an individual. We're talking about a team. We're talking about the members of the team who are part of that team. You can use the word choke. You can use the word freeze. I don't care what word you use, but you know what I'm talking about. This doesn't happen. A team learns from experience. They build on the experience of losing. They build on it after it happens the first year, on the second year. Then in the third year, something happens. Now, if not in the fourth year, for sure something happens. If not absolutely 100%, something has to happen in the fifth year of a nine-year plan. If I may just this jump in. This has never been done ever in the history <laughs> of sports, of North American sports. Has a team been this futile? Now, I'm not talking about finishing last five years in a row and getting good draft picks and then building like some organizations have done smartly. Hello. Or making a trade with some veteran players to a team that, you know, is going to finish last and you're going to scoop the draft pick. Hello, Guy Lafleur, Austin Matthews. That was a nice little. Oh, we got the right ball. But come on. You're you're handed all this talent. You're you got people paying through the nose. The richest team in the league, probably huge value. And come on. You've got fans that are so loyal where people are willing to go through this shit just to win a playoff round. If you asked every Leaf fan right now and you said, what, what? Said, just, just to play. We don't care about the Stanley Cup. That'll come maybe one day. Get us a playoff. In fact, here's what I'll tell you, Mike. Yeah. If, in, if, if, if Shanahan and the rest of the gang say for the next five years, we promise you, we promise, like on the, on the show Shorzy, We'll never lose a first-round playoff uh, round in the next five years. We'll never lose one. Okay? Would you buy into that? We will get to the second round five years in a row. I would, I'd be okay with that because that means five years after that, they've got a chance to maybe win the third round and maybe five years after that, the fourth. Maybe that's their plan. Slow, slow. But I got to tell you, when you said early in the year, Mike, that you weren't interested in any regular season Leaf games, individual performances, sure. Austin Matthews scoring 60, lovely. Mitch Marner almost scoring 100, beautiful, fabulous, felt it, loved it. 
And then to end it all with this car crash. Hepsi man. So you talk about this five years in a row where we lost a winner take all deciding game in the series. And this is unprecedented in these big sports. We didn't get to the next round. That's what I say. Five years of not getting to the next round. Well, Well, more than that. It's five years of losing a winner-take-all game in the first round. Is what Whatever. Is. Okay, but it's different because we've lost it's far more It's not different. It's the same feeling all the time. Right. It's but the it's same different. feeling. It doesn't matter. You can frame it how you want. My it point is... It the same way. It's losing. Losing with talent. Losing with no... We're not having talent is okay. We had no talent. Right? But when you've got talent, and then you say... You're all coming back next year. Come on, we're going to try it again. And this time we're going to win the division so we don't have to play Tampa. We're going to win the division so we can play Washington or Pittsburgh. And then we'll get out of the first round. What are you, fucking nuts? Are you kidding me? Go get a Victor Hedman. Go get a stud. Find me the next Chris Pronger. Develop the kid. I don't care. You know how you get these guys, right? But you know how you get these guys, these Hedmans. Yeah you, find them. yeah, you have a scouting staff that goes and finds them and I No, you got to suck. You got to suck shit to get oh, yourself no, no. a uh, lottery pick. Gross. Right? Why do you talk like that? Suck Fuck. shit? That's a potty mouth. You swear all the time. Listen. No, but no no, but you've got a potty mouth. That's different. Okay? okay? <laughs> if I drop an F bomb, that's one thing. When you use that word, the way you like shit when you say shit the bed, it's the most disgusting. Okay, but I said suck disgusting. shit, which is different. That's even worse. Okay. No, I, look, I can well, say I, Hold on. Listen, peep, some people are eating breakfast right now, so let's get off this disgusting potty stuff. Anyway, what you said at the beginning of the... I, I'm, I'm praising you. You're right. You were 100% right. Why did we pay any attention? Why did I ever do this show and say, here's what's going on with the Leafs? Why didn't I say every week, say, the Leafs? Well, let's wait for the playoffs. Now let's talk basketball. Well, can I chime in on the Leaf thing? Like, uh, I've been here for years. I can't chime in. Listen, Five years. So we talk about the five years in a row losing the winner-take-all game in the first round. That's unprecedented. But there's only uh, five, I think, four four guys left. Like, they're the only commonality between the first. So the only guys left are, are Matthews, Marner, Riley, and Nylander. Like, right, everyone right. else has turned over, including the coach. Yes, yes, they have. Yes, they have. So what are we... Four, you got your core four plus Tavares, right? Uh, there's five if you include Riley in that group. Yeah. Yeah, but... Yeah, but your guys. Tavares That's your guys. There. Those okay. are your guys. So you got four guys that are that were there five years ago that are still there. Only... Yeah. That's it. So it's... It's the culture. It's the culture. Look, I want you to... It's allow, the fans. I want people it's to hear from Hedgy. What do we have to do to, to fix this? Put, here's what you have to do to fix this. Not go to the games. Not watch the games. Not buy the merch. And that's not going to happen. And they know it. Mike, if you're on the board of directors of the Leafs and you're the biggest Leafs fan in the world, are you a bigger fan of money or the Leafs winning? But the Leafs spend the money. That's the thing. We're not cheapskate. Look at it. We spend the cap. We literally can't spend more. Look, we've got people running the show that don't know what they're doing. Okay? When Ken Dryden was the president of the Leafs, I went, Ken Dryden? Unless he's a fucking genius. This guy's a Montreal Canadian. He's got no leaf tattooed anywhere. Brendan Shanahan, I give a fuck he's from Mimico. Never played for the Leafs. Never drafted, never, never. Had nothing to do with the Leafs or anything to do with their system. Nothing. We wanted Brendan Shanahan when he was a player. Right. Not as a fucking first-time executive. And I like Brendan Shanahan, and I know Brendan Shanahan personally, or I did. But come on. You've got to prove something. Okay, mind you, David Poyle has gotten like nine million reprieves in Nashville, but they must love him. I guess after a while, you know, who did we have before that? We had Lou Lamorello. We hated him. We'll take anybody but Lou Lamorello. We well, got Kyle, let you grow now we got Kyle Dubas and Kyle Dubas is linked with Brendan Shanahan. And yeah. and Sheldon Keefe is linked with Kyle Dubas. You, this is the here's your GM coach combo. Here's your GM president combo. Here's your holy trinity. Here's the four main players that have been around and suffered through all of this crap. Okay. What's the commonality? These people that I just mentioned. How do you change the culture? Well, you, are you going to get rid of the players? Are you going to get rid of some of the management? Are you going to let these guys come out and say, we'll try harder now. We're sorry. We, 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 
we really got respected in the handshake lineup. And really that's important to us as an organization because people have been making fun of us. And now there's no reason to, and we implore our season ticket holders that when we increase prices by 25%, we don't want you to get angry. Like, oh, come on already. 1967, watch the game. I was a little kid in my parents' basement, black and white TV, rabbit ears, Armstrong into the empty net, glory. Glory. Next day at school, glory. Stanley Cup parade. Come on, Dad, take us downtown. Okay? I was 11 years old. I'm 66 now. Do you get it? It's all coming out. I know you want to talk basketball, but please, do you have any thoughts on what this team needs to do to get past the first round next year? What yeah, yeah. Here's what do? they need to do. Get the fuck out of my life for the next three months. <laughs> I don't want to hear anything for three months. Not, not a thing. Like, don't, don't even talk to me about what you're done or what you're going to do or anything like that for, okay. until uh, August. Mid- no, 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 not even September. Because whatever yeah, you September. do, whatever you say, it's not going to make a damn difference. Whatever's going to happen, even if you start the regular season with a 20-game winning streak. <laughs> right. But that's my point. Yes. That's exactly. Point. And that's always been your point. And you Win a fucking right. Mike, and as much as it pains me to say this, <laughs> you are right. <laughs> glad I'm, I'm glad I'm recording this. But I just want to point out a nice comment on your YouTube channel that makes sense to me by Peter DeMarco. He says, because you just said, you know, Brendan Shanahan never played for the Leafs. Bring me some. You don't want somebody who played for the Leafs because that person would have no experience with a winning team and what a winning team should look like. At least Brendan Shanahan had exposure to a successful championship team for several years. Well, he's not showing it uh, as an executive. Right? Well, Okay. This is why I feel like I'm devil's advocate. What did Ken now. Dryden? What did Ken Dryden do with all his Stanley Cups when he was an executive with the Leafs? What did What did that get us? Right. <clears throat> policy. No. He got us policy. Right. As an organization, policy and stability. Don't give a fuck stability in the upper office. I want championships on the ice. I don't want to mm. hear. Oh well, you know we're not so good on the ice, but boy, do we have a great executive. Hey, we just won executives of the year. We just won team of the year, community of the year. Wonderful. Right. Okay, participation trophy as far as I'm concerned. Let's get to the NBA. Oh, We've got our guests coming okay, in. Okay, your show. Boston, that's right. It's my fucking show. I could show. do the whole show on the Leafs. Well, do it. Then you know what, Mike? Here's a great idea. Yeah, you can do After your this, show. Can do you can show. do episode 1097 about the aftermath of the Leafs. Use Blair clips Pack from the show in your right. show. NBA playoffs, Boston Celtics, Storm by because I watch other sports and do other things as well, like basketball. Miami Heat uh, got beat by Boston 127-102. It's embarrassing when you win the first game of a playoff series and your fans are all excited. And then and then you lay an egg at home. You lose by 25 at home in game two. So they head back to Boston for game three on Saturday. Uh, season, uh, the series even 1-1. Boston got 27 points from Jason Tatum, 24 points from Jalen Brown, 24 points from Marcus Smart, three points from Canadian Nick Stauskas. Jimmy Butler at 29 for the Heat. Out West, you got Golden State taking their 1-0 series lead over Dallas into tonight's game two. The Warriors won the opener by 25 points over the Dallas Mavericks. Mike, I saw the wildest soccer game yesterday afternoon. This is what happens when you host a podcast about sports and you're retired. Um, This was Everton Crystal Palace. Everton needed a win to avoid relegation. This is the Premiership, Premier League. So they needed a win to avoid relegation. They had never been relegated in the history of Everton. In the history a hundred and some odd years, and, and, and since the Premier League began back in the early 90s. Never relegated, ever. And they're in danger of being relegated. And they're at home at Goodison Park in Liverpool. They're like the other team in Liverpool. There's Liverpool, who are amazing. And then there's this other team, right? Everton. So they're at home against Crystal Palace, who's there in the middle of the table. They got nothing to play for, really, but still. So now they fall behind 1-0 at home, and the crowd is just silent. Because if they lose this, man, they could get relegated. Crystal Palace's Jordan Ayew then commits a hard foul. It should have been a red card. All the TV commentators are like, that should be a red card. That's a red card. It was a vicious attack, vicious tackle. Instead, he gets a yellow card. And a minute later, he scores. This guy who should have been kicked out, Ayew, he ends up scoring. Now it's 2-0 for Palace. And it's like, it's like so quiet there. You can hear a pin drop, right? Then in the second half, they come back, Everton. Now it's 2-1. Now the crowd's back in. Right Now they tie it. It's 2-2. The crowd's going nuts. And it was six minutes to go. So in the 84th minute, Dominic Calvert-Lewin scores on a free header. And as the ball goes in, hundreds of fans jump onto the pitch. Now the game's not over. There's still six minutes plus stoppage time. 
and they invade the pitch. And the commentators are like, they're invading the pitch. The game's not over, right? It was wild. It was as loud as I had ever heard it in any sporting event I had ever watched. And I got no skin in the game. I, I don't care. But I do want to see Everton avoid relegation. And I want to see what their fans are like, right? This You would have thought they had just won the World Cup. Mike, it was unbelievable. High stakes. That's all you need for a, a, an amazing moment. And it just goes to show you that I got, I, I'm serious. I remember being more excited when the Leafs were, were hanging on for a playoff spot. Hey. I remember the Leafs in Chicago. They needed a win against Chicago, the last game of the season, to make the playoffs. A win, right? And they're tied, and I don't remember. It was late in the game, or it was an, it was an overtime. I think it was an overtime, whatever. And Todd Gill coughed up the puck, and, and Chicago scored, and that was it. But the, the tension of that game, because if they win, they make the playoffs. And in those days, if you in the 80s, if you made the playoffs, it was a big deal for the Leafs. It was a big deal. But that's what this was like. It was so wild, Mike. It was just glorious. That's sports. It was sports. They ran on the field. Fans running on the field. People, the cops are like the Bobbies are get off the field. Get Love off it. the pitch. Get off the pitch. Get off the pitch. There's still six <laughs> minutes to go. Get off the fucking pitch. I remember that Todd Gill giveaway so vividly. I can still see it. That was quite the uh, devastating moment for young Mike. It was terrible. Uh, baseball, the Cincinnati Reds visit the Dome for a weekend series with the Jays. The Jays are eight games back of the Yankees. Eight games back. Bodog has the Yankees at minus 240 to win the American League East. So you got to wager $24 in order to make a $10 profit. Okay, that's tough, man. That's, that's not a, I wouldn't make that bet. Those are prohibitive odds. Can the Jays make up enough ground in the next 124 games, Mike, do you think, to make the postseason? <laughs> yes, they can. 24 games left. Catching the Yankees will be tough because they're eight back and the Yankees are pretty good. And the Jays have a record of 20 and 18. So my math tells me that if they went 72 and 52 the rest of the way, 72 and 52, in order to win 92 games, would that be enough to make the playoffs? 92 wins. They got to go. They got to play 20 games over 500 from here on in. Yeah, but um, okay. they added they added new slots, right? Like, what did, I always get confused. But how, how many teams are making the playoffs today this year? Well, the wild card is still going to be a one game. It just added one more wild card team. Okay, add one more, but that but that but, might help us out this year. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let's hope it doesn't come to that. But you're right. Anyway, look, lately the teams looked uh, less than ordinary. I would right. say not performing the fundamentals like a good ball club. The fundamentals like base running, like Teoscar Hernandez. He's not a rookie. Okay, he's been awful since coming off the DL. He's chasing pitches. He's not patient at all. And he gets picked off second the other night. Crucial juncture of the game. Now, come on. Starting pitching has been fantastic. But they got to they gotta go deeper because the bullpen's getting worn down. It's only mid-May. Um, Romano's been out. Mays sidelined. I'm not sure the likes of Brookie and Trevor Richards and Adam Simber and Yimini Garcia can handle the increased workload. Mike, I'm a bit concerned here. You got Joey Votto and the Reds coming into town. The Jays really need to sweep these guys before heading out on the road to St. Louis and Anaheim. Okay, you got Vladdy with a 15-game hitting streak. Doesn't mean shit. He's been awful. 15-game hitting streak, great. He's hitting 15 in a row. He's had two doubles, one homer, and five RBI. Great singles hitter, but that's not what we're paying him for. I love his singles to right field. It would be wonderful if the bases are loaded and he hits those. But with two outs and you're down by a run, you don't like to see a shot off the wall, an extra base hit. I know I'm asking too much. He's 23 years old. He's 23. When you ask, if you would have asked that of me at the age of 23, I couldn't have given you my best. 23. What do you want me to do? Hit home runs, man. I can barely get the ball over the infield. And as well, the Jays need some outfield depth. And I'm not talking about Bradley Zimmer or Ramiel Tapia, okay? These guys are not, if you're going to be a championship team, you got to do better than that with your fourth and fifth outfielders, especially if Lourdes Gurriel is getting injured every other day and my hamstring and Springer, my ankle. Oh, it's okay. Now I'm okay. I'm a Jesus. Mike, tell me, tell me that every time Springer goes for a ball, do you not go, oh God, do you not cross your fingers and go, don't get hurt? Pray to the baseball gods. But don't you? <laughs> yeah, that sure. awkward one last week where he's going, he's backpedaling and, and he twists his ankle and he can't, can't come off the field. You're going, oh, not again, Springer. Come on. Can you guys hear me? Yeah, we can. Yeah, we awesome. can. Just about, to, just about to introduce you there, buddy. Hang on. What's going on, boys? Hang on. I just got to do the introduction here. 
Okay. <laughs> this is the beauty of a podcast is that the guest is here. Let's go. We're ready to go. We're going to start on time here. So our guest today is um, uh, a uh, veteran referee who uh, uh, officiated 1,362 games in the NHL and 90 playoff games. Uh, he did all-star games at the Olympics in 2014, did NHL outdoor games. Uh, I'm wearing my, my, um, my referee's jersey here because I see that we got to support, we gotta support the officials. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, say hello to our uh, guest today, and that would be Tim Peel. Peeler, how's it going? I'm great, Epsi. You know what? Stripes look good on you. They're slimming. That's why I always <laughs> say they're slimming. Tim, say, I told him he looks. Yeah. He say hello to like Toronto, the, Mike. Uh, hello, how you doing? He looks like he works at uh, Foot Locker. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Can I help you? Can I help you? Pepsi, I got to tell you, so I grew up in New Brunswick, moved to Toronto in 93, 93, yeah, 93. Right. And uh, you were big, you were kind of, my wife, so my wife asked me today, she goes, who are you going on with? I said, Mark, Mark Hepshire from Toronto. She goes, who's he? I said, I said, you were the first guy that really took sports to where people now get excited on, you know, on their programs and so on. That was you back then. You kind of started that in Toronto. Don't you think? Listen, that, I appreciate it. It's nice of you to say. I, no, I, it's I true though. Cause I remember that. Are you telling me that nobody was enthusiastic before no, me? At Toronto no, you, <laughs> no, it was like you had three Red Bulls in you before you did every show. It was awesome. Six, six lines of Coke, but who's, <laughs> um, Geez, I don't even remember. That's back in the 80s, man. Tim, things were very different back then. Yeah, very, very different. I know. But thanks for uh, thanks. And tell your wife, now you can tell your wife that uh, you know, who I am and I will. What, what a great experience it was. Um, I have to ask you this right off the bat. Hockey fans, uh, Tim, they all seem to think that referees they do make-up calls or even up calls. Because in the fans' mind, if that was a missed call, then there's got to be a call helping out our team. Does this happen sometime? No, no, it doesn't. And I'll explain why. And people think, oh, he's full of crap when he says that. So what, what happens is we miss a call. Or, or say, for example, we'll talk about Toronto-Tampa. Tampa's got four penalties in the game. Toronto doesn't have any. Okay? It's the playoffs. Our guys aren't going to go out there. And when people say, oh, it's a makeup call. Well, was it a penalty? Well, yeah, it was a penalty. So it wasn't a makeup call. They cannot call a penalty that is not a penalty just for the sake of calling a penalty to give Toronto a power play. Because what happens is you have 20 guys that are in the playoffs. After the first round, it gets knocked down to 12. So eight guys go home after the first round. They are graded on every call they make. Stephen Walker and Coley Campbell watch every second of every game, and they are graded on every call. So if they just pull one out of their, out of their ass – and call a, a, a hooking penalty that's not a hook just to give Toronto a power play, that well, they're, they're not going to move on to the next round. So what happens is, and I get your question, I've been asked that so many times, what happens, what does happen though is your antennas go up Pepsi and you go, I better not miss a penalty against Toronto or right, against, so, right, so against Tampa. I better not miss, uh, Tampa's got four power plays, Tampa, the Toronto doesn't have any. I better not miss anything that's going to give Toronto a power play. That's what happens. Have you ever said to a coach or a player, hey, I missed that one? Oh, 100%. And what's what's the reaction generally like? Is it like you owe us one now? Or how does that work? You know what it does? How does that work? I remember it was uh, three, four years ago. I called a penalty in Columbus on Boone Jenner. And I thought Boone had held the guy. and And I saw the replay. And I could kind of tell by his reaction that he didn't hold him. They kill off the power play. Whole whole two minutes, I'm like, get the puck out, get the puck out. I don't want them to score in the power play. And when the penalty end, power the, the penalty ends, I go over the bench and I said to Tortorella, I said, hey, Torts, where's Boone? And Boone happened to be sitting right in front of John. And I go, I go, hey, Boone, I go, I'm sorry. I go, that was a shitty call. I go, I thought you held him. I said, I'm really glad you killed it off. And right away, he goes, ah, Peelzy, that's okay. Cam Atkinson goes, ah, Peelzy, that's fine. It as soon as you humanize it and let them know you made a mistake and torts is like, same thing. Don't worry about it. Peelzy. Now, if you do that, if you're going over the bench three or four times a game and saying that, then there's a problem. <laughs> but every once in a while, you need to say that 
because I remember early in my career, I didn't want to admit that I made a mistake and it just it pisses off the players more. But as, as I got older, I realized, you know what, you just need to be yourself and humanize it. And the players like that. Uh, Toronto Mike, he's got all of his kids play hockey. So I know you've got questions for Tim. Tim, I got a question about the uh, John Tavares goal that was called back in game seven, Leafs versus Lightning. I just want to know, it seemed to me like that doesn't doesn't seem to get called, especially in a game seven. Like, What are your thoughts on that as a uh, professional ref? What are your thoughts on that call, calling back the Tavares goal? It's a it's a penalty. Um, it's, it's an interference play. It's a pick play. I, you know, I, I love the two officials that were working that game, Wes McCauley and Eric Furlot, you know, tremendous officials. I consider Wes the best ref in the NHL. Eric. Oh, I just took my answer. I was going to ask you, who's the best yeah. referee? That was my next question. Uh, Wes Eric, McCauley, eh? Eric, Eric's had a phenomenal career. He's worked, I think nine or 10 Stanley cup, uh, uh, well, conference finals could i have lived with that not being called probably was that player going to get to Tavares? i don't think he was you know what it's a tough one guys it's it's a tough one because it is a penalty but i get to your i get your point mike like it's uh it's it's uh game seven to me it wasn't egregious right where he he picks him and the guy falls back on his rear end. He just kind of stood him up. Could we, could they have let it go? Maybe. Tim, you, uh, I'm going to assume that you knew all about red story and Eddie powers and Andy Van Helmond. And I guess every official probably in every major sport that uh, for one reason or another left the league under uh, certain uh, circumstances. What happened last year with you? And, and, and do you think the national hockey league um, respects its officials the way they should be respected? In other words, backs up their officials, uh, as other sports do, because their their history is they didn't they didn't back up officials, and that's why guys like Red Story and Eddie Powers and that uh, quit was because the league, you know, um, cha- challenged them or or didn't think that they had the guts or whatever it was. If you're not backed up by the league, how how can you work for employers like that? So, what was your situation? Yeah, um, first of all, I'm surprised you you heard about my situation because it was it was kind of quiet. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> Um, but but you know what i think that's a that first of all that's a great question hebsey because i think back in the day when red story and those guys and clarence campbell and kind of the old guard were running the league back then i don't think they were maybe protected and backed like they and, and respected like they are now but i can tell you gary bettman and bill daly and and coley and steven they do a tremendous job of backing our guys. You know, I, listen, this wasn't the first time that I, I got in shit with the league and the league always, always backed me. And then what happened with my situation was just, you know, what's ironic about it is I was, that was on March 23rd. I was retiring April 24th here in St. Louis, four weeks later. And before the game, I had gone down to the national predators dressing room and take, taken a bottle of wine to Pete Rogers, their equipment manager to thank him for his friendship over the last 30 years. Cause I had been in the American league with him, and, and I just, we had formed a, a friendship over the years and, and uh, Todd Richards, the assistant coach of Nashville sitting in the room and we're, you know, we're having a coffee and we're talking about life and horses and hockey and our kids. And just, so I didn't walk out of that room going, you know what? I think I'm really going to blow up the last four weeks of my career. You know, I, yeah. or I, that I was going to get Nashville. That was the last thing. You know, Kelly Sutherland and I called two penalties the entire game against Nashville. So obviously our my intent was not to get Nashville. Right. And so for those who don't know, you were you had a hot mic on and you had said something to Kelly. I said that- I want well, I wanted to get an F and penalty against Nashville. And and so what happened was when I called the penalty, I was in the neutral zone and the play was 10 feet from from Kelly Sutherland, and I shouldn't even have made the call. I just but I made it. I thought our Fitzson tripped uh, the Detroit player. As I watched the replays, I'm going to the box. I realized it was his hip that caught him, not his feet. 
And it was more, uh, I was embarrassed by the call because Kelly and I came up together, uh, worked Olympics together. He's a tremendous ref. And, and so I was just like, yeah, it wasn't, my, it was kind of like I was embarrassed and I was like, nah, it wasn't much, but I wanted to get a penalty against Nashville. And my verbiage just came out wrong because that's not at all what I wanted to do was get it. And, but unfortunately in the, in the world we're living in and, and justifiably so, um, you know, that was it. And, and, but I don't blame the league, the league. I, I, it's funny because a lot of guys for whatever reason and players included sometimes leave this business very bitter, um, whether they didn't get the, they didn't get to 1500 games or they didn't get another playoff game or whatever reason, some of our officials leave bitter. And, and I never wanted to be that guy that left this business bitter. And, and to this day, everything I have is because of the national hockey league. And I talked to Bill Daly three or four times in the past six months. Like I have a great relationship with him and, and Gary, if I needed something, I know Gary would be there for me. So everything I, I don't blame them. I'm the one that said it, huh? and, but my verbiage came out wrong, but uh, do I wish it could have been handled differently? Yeah. But it was a kind of a, the world we're living in now. Social media has just changed everything and it's changed everything you know, I'm watching uh, two games last night, and if a trip is missed or something, boom, it's on social media five seconds later. Oh, you know, it's, yeah. It's just the world we're living in. So, yeah. But you know what? I, I, I'm not going to let a two second audio clip define my career, define who I am. Um, and you know what? Life, life goes on. It's it's water under the bridge now. And I'm I'm a big believer. I'm not a very religious person, but I am a big believer in everything happens for a reason. And uh, like Joel Quenville and uh, said said to me, called me that morning. He goes, uh, well, Pilsy. He goes, you were well known before. He says, but he says, well, like it or not, you're really well known now. So <laughs> things happen for a reason, and and here we are today. All right, so let's go back now. So you were born, you're born in New Brunswick, and um, um, so where did you grow up? And when, and more importantly, I guess, when did you realize that uh, being an arbiter of sports was uh, had a future? Yeah, so I was actually I was born in Toronto. Uh, my mother was uh, in high school. She uh, uh, was from Sudbury, and. Uh, was fooling around with an Italian guy and, and moved to Toronto to have me because uh, nobody, there weren't a lot of single moms in 1966, put me up for adoption. I was adopted, moved my adopted family a few years, two, three years later, we moved to New Brunswick. That's where I grew up, a little town outside of St. John called Hampton. And in the summertime, uh, I was bored one day and mom and dad were like, well, there's a golf tournament going on over the golf club. Why don't you try to get a caddying job? So I walk over, I get a caddying job. Next thing you know, I start cleaning clubs, working in the pro, in the pro shop and caddying all summer. So then the winter rolled around and I missed having the spending money. And the town I was at, we lived in Hepsi, was called Hampton, New Brunswick, town of 1,500 people, small town. And uh, one rink, that's where everybody hung out. And so when the summer roll, or the winter rolled around, they're like, why don't you ref the little kids? So I started refereeing the six, seven, eight year olds. And then it just kind of, I did, you know, I went to UN, University of New Brunswick. I did it in college, uh, a way to make some beer money and so on. And then as you guys know, you know, this being a Canadian show, senior hockey back in the eighties was huge in the Maritimes. And there, there was a team called the St. John Vitos. They won the Allen cup a couple of times. And so I started refereeing. I was a linesman actually, but in the in the senior hockey league because uh, we didn't have the Quebec league down there back then. And then I became a linesman in the American Hockey League because they had the St. John Flames where Marty St. Louis played. Right. They had the uh, Moncton uh, Golden Flames. They were the Moncton Hawks where Rocky Saginaw played back in the day. Then they became the Moncton Golden Flames uh, where Brett Hull played. Uh, Claude Julian played for the Fredericton Express back in the day. So senior uh, uh, American League was big in Cape Breton. Nova so I became a linesman, local linesman. And then I was working for a bank and they then transferred me to Toronto. And then that's kind of when things took off when I got in the OHL and got put on the radar. Right. That's what I remember that. Yeah. That's, uh, 
that's 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 a that's a pretty cool story. Uh, other sports? Did you uh, ever baseball umpire or basketball? No, or no, I didn't officiate any other sports. Uh, hockey was my passion. You know, you guys growing up in Canada. You know, I, I don't I don't know your ages, but I'm 56 and you know born in '66. And growing up in Hampton, New Brunswick, we had three stations. We had CBC, we had a station out of Halifax, and then we had the French uh, Channel. And Saturday nights at the trailer park that I lived in um, <laughs> was hockey night in Canada at nine o'clock. It came on at nine o'clock because the Leafs game came on at eight. And I hated Montreal because they beat my Leafs every Saturday night, you know. And but that that's that's the era that I grew up in. And, and Paul Mateer and Daryl Sittler and Errol Thomas and Lanny and I covered yeah. that. That's the team I covered, man. That's yeah. when I first started in radio. Those were my. And I remember they were my heroes because I was a teenager. Right. And then a few years later, I'm in the business, and like Lanny McDonald called my house one time. Because the PR director of the Leafs, I said, I want to interview Lanny McDonald. He said, give me your phone number and I'll get Lanny, you know, I'll get him to call you. That's the way it worked in those days. And like I gave him the number to my parents' house because that's where I was living. And my mom answered the phone one time and he thought it was a prank call. That some guy, some somebody pretending to be Lanny McDonald phoned you. <laughs> and I go, it was, I'm expecting a call from Lanny McDonald, mom. <laughs> so yeah, it was, it was pretty cool. So when, so when you were on the ice in the NHL, um, were I guess you worked the AHL. So when did you ever like? Oh my God! There's like that's Guy Lafleur or there's oh. Crosby or whatever. Like did you kind of were you starstruck? And then wait a minute, I got a job to do here. Yeah, the first time I ever refereed Mario Lemieux, it was in Pittsburgh, and and I'm going to drop the puck at center ice, and Mario standing there, and he had pretty big feet. He was a big, you know, obviously he was a big guy, <laughs> and he had these CCM skates on. And I looked down at the skates and, and I, I was such a nerd. I looked down and I go, oh, those are nice skates, Mario. And he's like, oh, oh, thanks, kid. And I'm like, I didn't know what to say. But yeah, he was one of the guys, like, I was like, wow, this is unbelievable. Like, and still to that, to this day, when, when I would see him in the, the bowels of the PNC arena in Pittsburgh and he'd walk by and he'd always say hi. And he has that, he had that aura of him. Uh, about him like a Jordan does or a Wayne Gretzky does but yeah it was uh it was pretty it was pretty cool being around guys like that yeah there's a um yeah what's so he's got it's a certain type of class there's a, uh-huh. a prestige to it that he's very um what's the word I'm mean, very calm that demeanor seems to be very elegant Re- regal yeah. regal and they right. always look like uh, Mario always looks like he smells good. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> All right, so yeah. so now so now we we got to know now. So you're on the ice. I love it. Look, I think the best television is when somebody in the game is miked, mm-hmm. whether they're in the dugout for baseball, but especially while the game's going on. And years ago, at the in fact, it was the '87 Canada Cup when I was working for Global. I asked Kelly Rudy who was the third goalie on that team. I, I asked Kelly if he wouldn't mind if we mic'd him up during warm-up or during practice just to see, you know, what the chatter was like. And I, Mike Keenan, he said, you got to ask Mike Keenan, who was the coach, and Keenan said, go ahead. The footage that we got of Kelly Rudy just chat, chattering away and, you know, yelling at his defenseman or saying, okay, this guy's going to go top cheese and all that stuff, I thought was wonderful. So when you're on the ice and you're engaging, okay, and I'm assuming that, you know, because I can see your lips moving or referees. Who are some of the guys over your career where it was like, oh, I got to deal with this guy tonight. This is not going to be fun. Uh, Sean Avery, you know. Sean Avery, of course. Right. Um, funny story. I told this story the other day, but he, like, he was a big chirper. And we're in New York one night at Madison Square Garden, and he keeps calling this Tyler Kennedy from Pittsburgh. He, he keeps calling him Pig Nose. Hey, Pig Nose. Hey, Pig Nose. Hey, Pig Nose. And I'm like, why is he calling him Pig Nose? So finally, I went up, and because I had Abe's back in 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 uh, junior, I think he played No One Sound, and so I had known him, and we had a pretty good relationship. And and I go, why are you calling Kennedy pig nose? He goes, Peelzy, have you ever looked at his nose? He, his, he's got a nose like a pig. And sure enough, I looked, I looked over and Kennedy did. Have a, and I'm like, I go, I just looked at him and I'm like, where do you come up with this stuff? Right. And, uh, but there wasn't anybody like, you know, Cam Jansen and I and Reed Lowe, we did a, uh, uh, 
charity thing on last Saturday night and we were showing fights and breaking down some of their fights and so on. And I said to the audience, I said, what's funny about the tough guys that, that played in this league, they actually were the most respectful of the officials. And I don't know whether they felt they needed to be because they needed the linesman to help protect them if they got in trouble. But for whatever reason, um, they always said like Kelly Chase and I are, you know, I moved to St. Louis mm -hmm. in 2001 and Chaser took me under his wing and we're best buddies. And, and the, the tough guys, Tony twists the same thing back in 2004, you know, he called me up cause we were, we were locked out. We weren't getting paid and he owned a bar and he asked me if I wanted to come down and work at his bar. And it's just, you know, a lot of, I didn't have too many guys in the, in the business where I'm like, Oh geez, I got to deal with him tonight. I really didn't. So Sean Avery, obviously there, but like, uh, okay. So you have all of Crosby's career. So what, what's Sidney Crosby like? Because remember anyone who's not a Pittsburgh Penguins fan, right. when they see Crosby on TV or they go, Oh, he looks, cause he looks like he's whining. Or if he whined once and said, ah, whatever, everyone is like, Oh, look at that guy because of facial expressions. When you watch the games, you see only the facial expressions. What was Crosby like? Crosby was uh, a whiner when he came in the league, <laughs> okay. but, but, but you know what? Jeff Merrick, uh, I was on a show the other day and he, he said to me, he goes, Timmy, he says, I, I don't know if you know this, but I, he said, I interviewed Sid the other day and I asked Sid what are one of his biggest regrets. And he said, the way I treated the officials when I first came in the league. And instead of, instead of that spoke volumes to me, because instead of him saying, well, you know, not winning game seven against Detroit or whatever hockey, hockey game, he, he that wasn't what is it was about how but i said to jeff i said first of all it surprises me a little but it doesn't surprise me because i know sid so well but i said you also have to understand he he came from the quebec major junior league where he ran the league you know he <laughs> ran the league he probably was running the commissioner you know but he ran the officials you know it was sydney crosby so he came to the NHL and he thought he was going to do the same thing, but instead he was dealing with Koharski and Marowelli and Chick and Magoo and Frazier and McCreary. And that wasn't going to happen in the NHL. And, but he was young and immature. Like I was young and immature when I came in the league, but then he quickly, he, he, he quickly, like I became a huge Sid fan because he then flipped the switch and was very respectful. Would he get worked up hundred percent? But he would never demean you. He would never talk down to you. Of course, he'd be emotional. But, you know, I, you can't take the emotion out of the game. That's, that's what makes our game so good. And I love the man. He, he sent me a jersey unsolicited after I worked a 1,000 games five or six years ago and showed up at my house in the summer. He's just a tremendous person and been so good for and And not to belabor the Sid question, but... I'm watching him in the first round before he got hit by Truba. And I'm like, is this guy 36 or 29? Like, yeah. It's unbelievable. He looks the same as he did five years ago. He's just not slowing down. He looks amazing. He was certainly out until he got injured. He was the best right. player, best player in that series. Um, what, Tim, what's the, uh, what's the referee's equivalent to scoring the Stanley cup winning goal or scoring an overtime goal in the playoffs? What, what moment in your officiating career, was would have been similar getting getting selected to work a game seven you know I worked a few game sevens when I was in the league and I remember the first time I was selected was uh 2008 I think 2007 and it was Montreal was in Pittsburgh at the old igloo and you find out the day before day and a half before that you've been selected to work game seven and I remember when I found out that I was, it was my first game seven and I was upstairs and my fiance at the time I came down and I told her I was selected for game seven. I started crying and she goes, she, she goes, that, this is a good thing, isn't it? I go, yeah, I go, it is a good thing. But I, to, because then the league looks at you, Hebsy, they're like, it was Dan O'Halloran and I, and the league looks at, at you, you, the league looks at you like, these are our two best guys this is game seven. We know we can put them in. We can trust them and they're going to do a good job. And thank goodness the game went well. So probably that getting, getting, you know, selected to work the Olympics and working the bronze medal beam over there was, was a, a great memory that I'll, I'll cherish forever. Yeah. 
And uh, and now what? So you're a retired NHL official. That looks good on the resume. You got a, a referees uh, camp going in the St. Louis area. That's great. Um, what else, What what are your aspirations now? I, I've got some businesses, some some things going on locally here in St. Louis. But you know, as you've seen, I'm you know pretty active on social media, and I and going back to high school, I I, I was. Uh, a good skater, but I, I, there's a reason I became a ref. I was a shitty hockey player and I didn't even make the high school hockey team. But what I did back then was I was the PA announcer, um, in, you know, in the penalty box and I announced the penalties and, you know, what PA announcers do. And then <laughs> in high school, I would be the guy that would, you know, have the tuxedo on for the, for some sort of show at, in our theater. And I would host and MC different events so I was always comfortable, like if I walked out tonight and there was a thousand people or, or 5,000 people, I wouldn't be nervous because I just feel, I feel comfortable speaking. And I, and Pangers told Darren Pang, who you know. Oh, give, give Pang my, hey, give Pang my regards. I will. I might have lunch. I might have lunch with him today. We we're going to try to play golf, but he's too busy with his TNT gig right now. Yeah, tell, he's got to give you three strokes aside. Okay. No, Such it's a Hebsey, it's unbelievably such a good player. We play a lot together at the course we're at. So, um, but he said to me, you know, when I, after my career, he's like, don't try to be somebody that you're not. He goes, be yourself. He goes, there's a reason that, you know, people like you, your personality. And he says, hey, make fun of yourself. Don't hide from the fact that you, you know, you were on the golf channel and Fox and CNN and every sports show around the world. He goes, don't hide from that. Embrace it. Yeah. And, and so I would like to somehow, you know, I'm so, so I'm slowly getting into it. Uh, Andy Strickland and I and Jamal Mayers, the ex-player, we have a radio show here in St. Louis uh, that we started back in October and we're having fun at that. And I'm, I'm doing more and more of that. And I, I really like to get more involved in, in the media, maybe start my own podcast uh, when the timing's right in the fall, maybe so. Do it, man. You've got the stories are great. And I think even people that may not be hockey fans, just hearing inside stories or someone who was there, you know, that close to, you know, uh, uh, top flight professional athletes for that many years uh, is wonderful. Right. It's terrific. Mike, anything before we, uh, we say goodbye to Tim? Would a player like Darren Payne get a sniff? Like, would they even get a sniff because they're undersized in this day and age of uh, the NHL goaltenders? Good question. Yeah, probably not. And he'd probably be the first one to say it. I, I, I've got a picture of Panger in his Ottawa 67s uniform. And he, <laughs> he looks like a 12-year-old like in the net. And he weighed 140, 135 or 145 pounds when he played in the NHL. And I said to him one day, I said, I'm not blowing smoke up your, your rear end here, but for you to even make it to the NHL at that size and right. that is, is it really shows what a tremendous athlete you were. And, uh, but you know, we see you see, Saros is the smallest goalie starting goalie in the NHL right now. And it's unfortunate, but it seems every goalie they're drafting now is six, two to six, five. And uh, so to answer your question, no, I don't think, uh, I don't think Panger would probably make it in this day and age. Shout out to Alan Bester. Oh, Alan, I love that. Yeah. Bester. Absolutely. Yeah. All those little guys, man. Exactly. That's great stuff. Peeler was fabulous. Thanks so much for joining us. Please tell Darren Pang, give, give, uh, uh, give my regards. And if you guys are up around here, we'd love to take you out to Crosswinds for a round there. Oh, that would be awesome. Hepsi. I really appreciate you having me on and, and Toronto Mike, Mike's he's got the flow going. Eh? He's got the good hair. Holy lifting. That guy is not going bald. I'll no, tell you right, no. right he's, now. He's thinking of doing an entire show of his own podcast, just about his, <laughs> just, a, just, just about his hockey feelings and stuff like that. Just, you know, uh, independent from this weather. We talk so much hockey here. Unbelievable. All right, Boy, Peter, all no, the best. Hebsey, thanks. I Hebsey, thanks for reaching out. I sincerely appreciate it. And uh, anytime, anytime, boys. You got it. We'll have you back. Thanks, Tim. Okay. Take Thanks, care. buddy. All right. NHL referee Tim Peel. How about that, eh? I mean, think of all the different people you skated with. Like, you know, uh, as soon as Sean Avery's name came out, I, I'm thinking, oh, Sean Avery. I, I hated Sean Avery. 
Hebsey man, you know, I don't even want to give too many details to the safety issues, but very recently I was uh, intimidated and threatened via Instagram DM by that very same Sean Avery. You were? Oh my God. And there's a whole, it's quite, it was quite a earlier 2022. I had a, wow. an ugly incident. And uh, some, he yeah, well, some of the things he did were, uh, you can see how, uh, you know, he could, uh, he would be the first name to, to come up when you ask about uh, certain oddballs. Anyway, okay, so let's talk a little golf here. I did mention, by the way, the fact that uh, that Tim's quite the golfer. See, the, any mm. any hockey player, professional hockey player, and and I include referees in this, even though they're not professional players and and they're great skaters. I guess we don't know how they can shoot the puck, but most of right. these guys have just got you know a pretty darn good uh, uh, hand-eye coordination. And golf season is their off season. Always has been. Do you know who was out at the golf course the other day? Jake Muzzin, uh, Austin Matthews, uh, Tavares was out there up at the Coppinwood. Okay, I happen to know somebody a little spy out there. Like, wow. oh, yeah, I guess okay. like when you say the guys are headed for the golf course, that's literally literally what they except do. for Mitch Marner who went to the movies. Uh, well, that was in the evening. Mitch, I don't know if Mitch is a golfer either, but in, anyway, yeah, that's a, oh, a that's a whole other story. <laughs> My God, man, can you imagine? <laughs> it's been a bad week. You know, and it just got worse. I wonder if the movie they saw, I hope the movie was at least a good movie. It was movie. probably that Marvel movie, that Doctor yeah. Strange. What if it was a shit movie? Imagine you get bounced from the playoffs, shit <laughs> movie, and then you get cards. Ugh. All right. Um, Rory McElroy is the first round leader at the PGA Championship. This is being played at uh, Southern Hills in Tulsa. This is such a big event. It's a major that uh, TSN sent Bob Weeks and uh, Graham Dillette to Tulsa. Mm. Okay. Ever been to Tulsa yeah. before? No. I don't think so. Yeah, you would. Yeah, it's nothing, nothing special. <laughs> uh, Tiger Woods, who is how old's Tiger, man? Born in. Uh, he's a bit younger than me. I can tell you, he's forty-five. I believe forty-five. Okay, so yeah. he's forty-five years old, and he looked about sixty-five years old. <laughs> <laughs> Started off well, made a birdie, then he made another birdie, and then it all fell apart. Finished at four over par and looked like a weary old man compared to some of the youngsters he's playing against. Uh, second round is underway now. We got the three Canadians entered. Uh, they're going to have to play well today to make the cut. Adam Hadwin, three over 73, Corey Connors, six over 76, and Mackenzie Hughes of Dundas, Ontario, a seven over 77. I'm going to be playing crosswinds on Monday. Last week, Mike, I shot a 40 on the back nine. First time ever. I'd never done that before on the back nine. Wow, good for you. That's very good for me. Yeah. Two birdies. Two birdies, wow. and, I, and I have witnesses. <laughs> I have witnesses. You got to um, record every hole, yeah. Every single one. Um, what was I going to mention? Amazing. Oh, yeah. Tennis. You got the French Open coming up this week. Right now, uh, some other, I forget, the, there's no Canadians involved. But you got the French Open. It starts Sunday, as a matter of fact, hmm. uh, at uh, Stade Roland Garros in Paris. Uh, both Felix and uh, Denis Shapovalov are in the men's draw. And on the distaff side, we got Bianca Andrescu. We got Leila Annie Fernandez. And we got 31-year-old Rebecca Marino of Vancouver, who just qualified for the main draw today. 6-2, uh, six, 6 love win today. So that's awesome. It's the first time for Rebecca Marino in the main draw of the French Open since 2011. Wow. wow that's that? quite the gap. Is that, is that a record? That? I don't know if it's a record or not. She made it to the third round there. in 2011. Wow. That's when wow. she was last in the French. Good for her. That's, a that's like the win. natural, you know? He went away for a decade and he came back uh, with the Knights. Roy Hobbs, I'm referring to. I remember, I remember that. Roy Hobbs, yeah, the natural. That's a good one. Uh, what happened? He got, shot. he got shot, right? He got shot by, yeah, he got uh, shot. Yeah. by a woman, yeah. and uh, then he came back, and uh, yeah, New York Mammoths. He got shot. No, yeah, New York on, Knights, I think. Knights. Yeah, New York Knights, that's right. You, um, he, yeah, it's based on a true story, you know. No, I did not know that. A baseball no. player, a guy named Eddie Waitkus. Uh, uh, um, a woman scorned uh, in a hotel room. Uh, shot him. Okay, yeah, I, I always wondered in the Philadelphia Phillies. Show, yeah, why did they honor the contract? Like that contract must have expired. Like anyway, yeah, he's yeah. Like, I have a contract, so he's like an old man. Yeah. He's like that movie's from the mid '80s, right? So you, if you yeah. go back, the beauty of the of period pieces is it doesn't matter when they were made because they're right. representing a period. So you could watch right. that movie 50 years from now and say, yeah, this took place in in yeah. the 1940s or whatever, you know, that kind of thing. So that's what right. I like about period pieces. Yeah. 
Whereas if you see something that took place in the 90s and was shot in the 90s, it's pretty obvious it's the 90s, right? right. It's like there. Yeah. And it's the technique maybe that they used or whatever was yeah, very... Like Pulp Fiction or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Isn't it? Is it weird? When you were younger, did you... Um, like, If someone said, oh, you want to watch this movie from the 30s, would you go, well, I don't want to watch a movie from back before no, I was no. Because I remember uh, digging like The Untouchables, for example, when I was young. I loved that. I like, yeah. I was fine, you know? Yeah, or going yeah. back and watching like The Godfather, right? But I really, I, I, you know, I don't know if it's just me, but a lot of people, as soon as they hear something, they go, "Well, that was before I was born." Oh. So they immediately throw up their hands and go, "Well, well they're uh, ridiculous." How, how am I expected to know that if it was before I was born? So uh, my favorite, you could read something maybe you would. Read. My favorite period piece, still even on TV or movies, my favorite is movies set in the seventies. Like I love movies set in the seventies, but my memory of the seventies is just a little bit like the late seventies watching Sesame Street. Like, uh, but I love movies set in the seventies. Hmm. I like how it looks on film. I just like the whole, you know, plateau of uh, the 1970s. Any particular movies in the Because the 70s were, I mean, to me, the 70s were The Sting, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, The Godfather. Uh, and then later on, like Annie Hall comedies, you know, like that. Um, but, he, yeah. but there's just so, there was so much great filmmakers and film and, and you know, oh my God, uh, yeah. up and coming stars. I mean, look at, look at Al Pacino, man. I was just a dog day afternoon. Sure. I told you about the uh, that actor who every movie he was in was nominated John for an Cazelle. Academy Award. Yeah, yeah John Cazale. He was dating, yeah. I think he dated Meryl Streep for a while. Though. Yeah, no, they were together when he died. Yeah, yeah Meryl Streep and him. He had a brain but, tumor or something. Yeah, he was like 40 years old, boom. I know. Oh, yeah, yeah. no, no, no doubt. That guy, this Fredo. I mean, amazing. Uh, I will say even modern stuff, like if I watch, there's a show on uh, HBO called The Deuce, for example, which yes. I just love because it puts you right there. The music, the New York, the Times Square when it was grimy and gritty and full of character and unsafe. And that's the good stuff, man. Put that on film. Beautiful. We should do a show just about, you know, <laughs> just about movies. It's about the natural. Yeah. Just, you know, you know what? It's true. Let's take the, We could take the, you know, the cinematic elements of sports movies. Right. Well, we should Even kick they, out our five. Our each of us pick five sports movies we love, and we can play the trailer and talk about why we. Right, love you know them. what? Let's just do. Let's just do one of our podcasts one week, and our yeah. guest is going to be uh, a uh, um, someone to do Norm with sports Wilner. And movies. Get Norm, Norm Wilner, Wilner in here. We should get Adam Verk. Actually, we should get Adnan Verk back on. Sure. Because he does a show, cinephile, so he's into sure. movies. Done. And he's an and he's an Emmy Award winner as well. All right, we'll do that uh, one day. Anyway, that's it, it for episode 285 of Hebsey on Sports. Thanks to Toronto Mike for production and inspiration. Hit him up at Toronto Mike. Thanks to our wonderful sponsor, Crosswinds Golf and Country Club in Burlington. Go to crosswindsgolf.com. Book your tee time online today and tell him Hebsey sent you. And thanks to our special guest today, former NHL referee Tim Peel. Uh, he was awesome, and we're going to have him back. And, and he yes, loved you, man. You could tell when he talked about you. He was glowing. You're a hero of his. He couldn't wait to get on the show. Wouldn't even let me introduce him properly. Just jump, wanted to jump right in. It was great. Um, thanks. Uh, and thanks to you folks for allowing us into your headspace. We appreciate it. We're back with another episode next week when our guest will be soccer guru, James Sharman, because you got Champions League. The World Cup is coming up right. in November. It's soccer. And even I watch soccer and the soccer man. They've been great. And he's a good Until, guy. And he's a good guy. And he makes good pies, too. Until then. So long for now.